With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. At 4.30 in the afternoon, Seth Kamen's going to be joining shortly. Sean Palmer on the day after, well, we have crowned a new NCAA football champion, and that being the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! And the worst case of cheating since the 1919 Black Sox. Potentially. Definitely the worst case of cheating that's caught unless you call the steroid era cheating, which many people do, but nobody acknowledges. So Seth has just joined the show. We have both NFL, NCAA, MLB, maybe some NBA. It's about time we start talking about the NBA. I mean, it is almost February and the trading deadline right around the corner, NHL as well. And Seth, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hello. The the NH what? I'm not I'm not familiar with that sport. Do we really talk about that? Well, well, your coach is the only one that got fired this year. So, well, no, that's not true. I guess Pill Peters was fired too, but he was fired because he kicked somebody. So you guys are yeah, the only uh, ones that were bad enough to have your coach fired. Right. Well, let's let's talk about what's going on now. You have potentially the greatest season in the history of college football by a, by a team. You have the biggest coaching, the biggest scandal in, in a sport in baseball since the Black Sox 90 yeah, years well, ago. You have the, con, you have the conference yeah. finals, and you're talking about basketball and hockey? I do want to really – Well, no. I, I hold mean, on. Hold on. You, you joined late, so you missed the whole intro. Those were the last two things I talked about. I, had I joined at 431. How late could I have been? Late enough to miss the first three things I said, which were <laughs> Go Tigers, Black Sox Scandal, Steroids, and NFL. So the first three were the exact same three. So not only potentially the best season ever for an NCAA team, but also potentially the best season ever for a quarterback. And Joe Burrow was phenomenal last night. And LSU in total was phenomenal last night. And kudos to Ed Ogeron, who fought and fought and fought. Look, he's a former... I thought you were going to say it was phenomenal... I thought you were going to say it was phenomenal what? last night. <laughs> no, well, he's been he's been phenomenal all year, but more importantly, he he has fought his whole career to get where he is. Yes, and he was not get he was this is not his first opportunity. It was not handed to him on a silver platter. LSU was not LSU has always been good, but they haven't been this good. And Ed Ogeron, look, deserves all the credit in the world for what he put on the field this year. And kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, people talk, people use hyperbole all the time after a game. Well, how great was this team? The team was the greatest ever, yada, yada. Think about it. LSU beat, for all intents and purposes, the other top four, four of the other top five teams in the country this year. Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. The only team that they're, they're missing in this, in this grouping is Ohio State. And they beat them by about an average of 30 points. They scored 700 points this year. They were behind double digits exactly once last night when they were losing 17 to 7, and then probably scored 21 points in a row in about eight minutes. They're allowed to, they have a legitimate case to make this argument as a one year team that they're as good as anyone. Um, from a borough standpoint, sorry. No, you I was going to say I completely agree. And yeah. and that wasn't even the best offensive explosion of the weekend. So, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm assuming I told Mr. Ziskin he he texted me asking what time he when the show started at five. I'm not letting him lead off shows anymore. That's not how this works. <laughs> It's not the Zach Ziskin <laughs> show, so he's he'll be he thinks it's at five because I'm assuming he's not listening right now. He's just getting ready to exalt in his uh, in his in his uh, 48 hours of glory. But yeah, I mean, Burrow, you know, you can the, the statistics are ridiculous. The competition he beat was top notch, so. It's hard to say. Was he better than Cam when Cam carried? See, the thing, the only thing I can say is he didn't carry this team to the title. This team was very talented. You watched the catches that those wideouts Jefferson and Chase were making last night. Oh, my goodness. They were sensational. Um, you know, a Cam who kind of carried his team. You know, a Tommy Frazier... In 90, the 94 Nebraska team, which was, till this week, probably the best college football team I've ever seen. I'd probably say the top three or four, Nebraska 94, Miami 01, USC in 05, and this LSU team. I'm sure Bama fans are not happy with that grouping, but tough. Um, what a sensational performance. When you throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and it's considered a come down from your prior national semifinal game. Good for you. Now, to be fair, Joe Bur and look, I'm all for what LSU accomplished. But you can only play what was put in front of you, right? And we say this all the time. And the fact that Burrow was able to play Oklahoma last week and able to play Clemson this week as opposed to you're comparing decades where Nebraska didn't have that opportunity. They were, they had their one bowl game and it could have been back then. It could have been one versus four. You didn't even necessarily have to have one versus two. And I think they played Miami no, you never in the had finals, one versus correct? Two. Right. No, 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 no. You're no. thinking the 84 Nebraska. No, in 94, the 95 team, they beat, they beat Steve Spurrier's Florida team. And if you ever look at – you want to see one of the greatest runs by a quarterback of all time, from a college standpoint, look up the Tommy Frazier run against Florida. He bounced off of nine – about eight tacklers. So, no, you can't compare – You can't, but what you can say is you know, Nebraska – I don't remember who Nebraska played in 94 other than – the championship in, in Florida. I just remember that they were very, they were fantastic. This team beat everybody convincingly. So I don't think you can not include them in the argument. And as you said, good for Joe or good for uh, coach. O. I mean, he's never been the most highly respected coach out there. And he, you know, USC, he goes 5-2 and two as an interim at USC. They don't want him. He, you know, he certainly 
was not the first, really the first choice here. Remember, Tom Herman was. So he kind of backed into it, but he certainly took advantage of the opportunities that came about. And is certainly a very worthy national champion, a worthy, probably a worthy coach of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as you said, he's, he's never been the first choice. No matter where he's gone, he's never been the first choice. And to come through and pay your dues, I think Coach O, and look, we, all, we, we call him Coach O, not that we know him any better than any other coach, but that's his nickname. Coach O has struggled to, to put his place in college football and now has made the mountaintop and will be forever known as the coach of this team. And, again, like you said, paid your dues. I think that is – where are you that I'm, I'm hearing feedback? But, anyway, um, first and foremost, paid his dues. But, yeah, definitely kudos. And now Joe Burrows has the luxury of – and the reward for his great season – with the first pick in the NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow. <laughs> and uh, yeah. whether that is, look, the kid's from Ohio, so maybe he wants to go there. But that's uh, the other quarterbacks that went number one to Cincinnati. Shall we name them? Carson Palmer, Achilles Smith, David Klingler. I mean... Those, those are not no, Carson, positives. <laughs> Carson Palmer had a nice career there. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a he had like five years before he got hurt. But yeah, and if you remember that team that got hurt, that team that team it was a legitimate Super Bowl contender when he got hurt. Well, that's true. I remember he thinking got, those were got, the two best teams. Those were the two best teams in the AFC that year in that playoff. Yeah, game. he got hit. He got hit and got hit high and low, and I can't remember. Was it Kyle? I, I Chemo. Got I can't remember the. What was it? His name was Chemo. Chemo. K I M O. Chemo Van something something something. Right. right. Um. Can Bo- and it's Van the Bengals Boston? never recovered. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember well, the full last name. Well, hopefully he uh, he's more Carson and less Achilles. And less David Klingler. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, the first pick is there, and the second pick will be Chase Young probably going to Washington. But we will have our NFL draft. Um, we call it a preview, but I'd like to say it's our NFL draft guest show um, uh, <laughs> around, the end of, around the end of April. Because I keep going – I keep saying that I'm pretty good at this, and I'm basking off for the one year where I beat Kuiper. But uh, we keep getting further and further from that year. So I'm not really sure it's, it's a preview rather than a guess. But, um, yeah. So when, when Burroughs leaves, do they have a guy that I'm not familiar with LSU other than the fact that I know that Joe Burroughs father and grandfather went to Nebraska. I don't know how many times they could say that on the broadcast last night, but who is coming in to take his place? Are they locked and loaded for next year as well, or are they going to take a step they're back? Top, they're, top, they're top five preseason. Um, the rumor is the, the Eric King, who is a stud at the University of Houston, who's in the transfer portal, will probably transfer yeah. there. They have one. They have, I think, one big QB recruit, and one big, and then they have their backup who was highly recruited. It's not like they're taking one-star guys. It's you know one-star guys. So it's uh. So know, the rich they'll be okay. So the rich, so the rich get richer. And yep. and you and I tend to suffer. Um. So, moving on to, uh, okay, so college football season is now concluded. I won't say I am all that disappointed with its conclusion. <laughs> overall, overall, the most disappointing team in the NCAA has to be Syracuse. They have to be. Well, top 20, no, there's one top other team that I would put in. there. 
top 20 going in, finish at five and seven. That that that's yeah. Who else would you put? How in? about you? How about your surprise pick for the uh, playoff? Oh, that's not fair. You're gonna put Nebraska. You're you're gonna ridicule <laughs> me again. Okay, for those that did not listen to the preview show, I am once again going to eat crow for this. I picked Nebraska with Scott Frost as the coach to make the playoffs. And I don't know where Nebraska was ranked preseason. I don't recall. But I don't believe I think they were, they were ranked or higher. Yeah, so they're right on board with where Syracuse was. And I thought that the schedule laid out perfectly for Scott Frost. And obviously I was wrong. Shocking. I made a bad prediction. And uh, I'm sure um, uh, I don't even know the guy's name that's going to make me eat crow at 5.30 or 5 o'clock. Zach is going to call in, and he's going to make me eat crow again. And that's fine. Look, we we do things with the – we make predictions with the best of our knowledge, and I've never articulated once that I am an expert in college football. I just thought that everything lined up well for Nebraska. Next year, everything will not. I'll pick them like third or fourth in the Big 12, and they'll go on a national championship run. It's just the way the things work. But, yes, the two biggest disappointments, Nebraska and Syracuse. And I'm kind of happy that football season is over. So we can start talking about basketball season a little bit more with Syracuse beating Virginia on Saturday and hopefully riding their ship in one of – it's always ugly playing Virginia, Seth. Always. Yep. It's never an enjoyable game to watch. It's like watching the Heat and Knicks in the 1990s. I mean – you may come out with a win, but you basically are black and blue to do it. Yeah. Um, it's, playing Virginia, watching Virginia play is rough. Playing Virginia, yeah, it's brutal. They play that Tony Bennett slowdown style where they suffocate you defensively. I'm surprised between both teams you guys score 100 points. Did you guys score 100 well, points? I- no. Oh, you mean combined? No, no, between the two. Combined, we did. Combined. combined. Combined, we scored 108 points, but that's only because it went to overtime. So you say 108? Syracuse scored 108. 108 no, 100. Oh, sorry, 118, yeah. 118 combined, but 32 of those yeah. were in overtime. So Syracuse scored yeah, as mean, many points in in five minutes than they did in in the five minute overtime than they did in the twenty minutes of the second half. That is pretty sad. And if Maryland yeah. hadn't played possibly their worst game in five years, or I'll tell you, for a team that's thirteen and three, we've had two absolute clunkers, and we had one Friday night. I cannot read this basketball season at all. I have no feel for this at all. So I got I don't a question for you. Does. does that does that make the turn? Look, we're we're coming into into conference play. I mean, real conference play right now. I think that makes the tournament more exciting, not less. That it is so wide open that I have to tell you, I know Vernon Carey on Duke and Trey Jones. But other than that, there are very, not much very few. There are, no, I'm saying there are very few players in the NCAA that I know by name. I mean, I just don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's not a name game this year. It's a team game this year. And I think that's a better thing for the NCAA than it is the Zion Williamson show. I think any team can well, win. Any team can play with any other team. It's a really interesting. Going to be a really interesting run. Um, there are no standout teams. Excuse me. You know, are you going to have? Is it going to be a Kansas Duke? Well, it could be. It could also be a Baylor Gonzaga Dayton. 
Butler, you know, that comes out. Like, you don't know. There is no definitive player of the year. There's no team of the year. There's no coach of the year. There's nothing. I mean, I guess coach of the year could be uh, the guy from Butler, Lavelle Jordan, but there's nothing that stands out. There just isn't, which, you know, it makes it could make for an interesting tournament and a fun one because legitimately you could have some real, like, you know, you could see a five or six seed making it and it won't really rise, raise an eyebrow. But then you kind of look at the tournament when UConn beat Butler in the final. And it was, I think, two eight seeds and a five seed. The tournament was so bad, it was borderline unwatchable. So you don't really know how exactly it's going to play out. Well, and I think in some ways that's good. I mean, I, I'm I'm yeah. much more interested yeah. in a tournament that anybody has a chance than in a tournament with two or three dominating teams. Now, the, now there is a corollary to that in which you like to see the dominating teams lose. So the brackets will be all over the place this year, which will be great, right? So you won't have the do- – Normally, you have everybody pulling against the number one seed if you don't have the number one seed in the tournament. But the fact is, the number one seed, you, you may not have everybody. I would say most of the time, you probably have 50%, if not more, people picking the number one seed in each bracket to go to the final four. You think that's about accurate, 50%? Maybe yeah, more? Take. Okay. No, but I don't think you're going to hit that. I don't think you're going to hit that this year. Because I don't think the number, there's that much of a difference between the number one and the number three. Like, I think you're going to have a much bigger randomness. So we really don't know yet. But the way it's seeming, yeah, there is no standout team. And there's no standout players. So... I th- I agree with you. I think it's interesting as long as the ball is, as long as games are still pretty interesting. You know, I just don't want a fifty-three forty-one final like we saw that year. Um, you know, I think. Look, as much as I love to talk college hoops, I think we have to talk baseball here. We got to talk baseball, and then we'll get to the NFL a little bit later. You know. What when you called me last night to fill me in? I, I saw peripherally what had happened. What was your first comment? You, you know your first comment to me, right? No, but I remember when I saw the penalties that came down, my first comment out loud, I said, holy shit. Yeah, that was mine as well. But, out, and I said it, I didn't say it under my breath. I actually said it nope. audibly. Out loud, yep. in the room. Could not, and then, and then when I found, so ladies and gentlemen, for those that don't know, last night, um, uh, Rob Manaford came down with his report about the Houston Astros stealing signs using video recording equipment in, in contradiction of a 2017 ruling that he made that you should not use electronic equipment to steal signs. The original punishment was loss of first-round picks in both first- and second-round picks in 2020 and 2021, which are pretty big, stiff penalties, understandably so, except for the fact that the Astros are going to be picking towards the end of the round. But still, first-round and second-round picks are still big picks. Then you go that they gave them a $5 million fine, and you say, oh, it's $5 million, that's a big number. Understand that is the maximum amount that the commissioner can charge, can can find a team, yep. and it's not a big number. Five million dollars in baseball is not a big number. Un- remember, Justin Verlander earns thirty million dollars, so five million dollars, eh, not really all that big. Mark Cuban to the owner, five million dollars annually, right? Yeah, to right. the owner, Jim Crane. And this, it's not like the players are paying this, right? This is a tax write-off. For, for Jim Crane. And then he suspends, Ranifer suspends, Jeff Luckow, and um, why am I blanking on the manager's name? 
Why am I blanking AJ out Hinch. AJ Hinch. AJ Thank Hinch. You. AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch for one year. And I was like, holy shit, that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of penalties. And then Crane says, Nope, nope, nope. That's not enough. I'm gonna fire the two of them. Because that's not the institution that I want to run. And that happened probably about 40 minutes after that. And I said, wow. So let's take this, right? Hinch and, and Lookout suspended for a year. The reason they were suspended for a year isn't because they instituted it. They didn't run it. They didn't stop They it. ignored it. They ignored it. The people that ran it, according to the report, are Alex Cora, whose time is coming, and the players. <laughs> and what Manafort had said was, I'm not going to suspend the players. This is not a player problem. This is kind of like the NCAA, where you get into institutional misconduct. Control. All right. Yeah. Here's, my, here's, my prob- here's my problem with this. Okay? Why did Crane fire the two of them? I just see a cover-up on top of a cover-up on top of a cover-up. Yeah, that's my feeling also. And he's the one that reaps all the benefits. The Astros, when he bought them, are worth $1.1 billion, with a B. They are now worth $1.9 billion, with a B. He takes in all the money. They're not returning the money. They're not putting an asterisk on the team for the championship. They're not vacating the championship. And when asked why they wouldn't vacate the championship by a friend of mine, my response was, because then you're punishing the fans. You're not punishing the fans. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It has no impact whatsoever. In some – well, let's remember – when Memphis was this, when Memphis had to vacate those wins, and what was it? UC, uh, USC had to vacate their championship, right? Is that where that went? Yeah. Did they have to vacate? Right. They had to give back the money that came with the bowl game, and they had to give back the wins. I get that the wins don't mean anything, but the money does. Let's understand, if Jim Crane had to give back all the money that he got from, from gate receipts for the playoffs in 2017, that's a lot more, ladies and gentlemen, than $5 million. <laughs> yes. But, but that wasn't ever going to happen, because then you're punishing the wrong people. You're punishing the fans and taking away their championship. But as I explained to one of my friends today... When, when Justin Verlander goes up for his Hall of Fame acceptance, and ladies and gentlemen, Justin Verlander is making the Hall of Fame. He's one of those guys that there's no doubt he's making the Hall of Fame. And they say Justin Verlander won 270-some-odd games. I think he's at 225 right now. He struck out almost 4,000 batters and was a member of the world champion 2017 Houston Astros. You know what the first thing that people are going to say are? Cheaters. That's it. Yep. They're just going to say cheaters. Well, I also wonder. Sorry, continue, and then I'll respond. No, no, you also wonder what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You have guys like Springer, who's going to be a free agent. You have Bregman, who's kind of the – the, net, the spokesman of the Major League Baseball right now, you know, or kind of the face of Major League Baseball. You have – how is that going to impact – how is this going to impact their free agency? How is this going to – you know, Verlander is going to the Hall of Fame no matter what. And we don't know specifically what players were involved, what players were not involved. But, you know, it makes you wonder, though, Springer has been an inspiration for actually, I think it's the, it's the stutterer, so I think he deals a lot with that charity. You know, so it's a negative on the the charitable, you know, the people that look up to them. 
And when they go out for free agency, and, and the team is going to wonder in the back of their mind, well, did this guy cheat to get to this point? You know, did he need the electronics? Like, again, this isn't a ball. This isn't a base runner stealing a sign while on second base. This is a formulaic, you know, plan to to get this taken care of. To, uh, what do you call it? To defraud, for all intents and purposes, the other teams. You're absolutely right. And and the one thing that you can hold for guys like Spur- – well, and that was – I'm sorry, to, to, to go a different way, La- Buster Olney pointed out – I think it was Buster Olney that pointed out on ESPN today. An ESPN writer pointed out that last week they named the top ten second baseman in, in Major League Baseball, and they put Jose Altuve as number two. And the response by most people was, he cheats. How can he be there? He won an MVP by cheating. Like Aaron Judge came in second for the MVP in 2017. Does Jose Altuve win the MVP if he's not cheating? Exactly. And there's no, there's no answer to this. We're not, we're, we're, not, we're not positing theories here. They may very well be as good as they are as, as their stats go forth. It would be very difficult for me to tell you that Justin Verlander is any worse of a pitcher than he's done in the last three years because this is offensive stealing signs, not defense, not yes. pitching. Maybe he gets a couple of more wins. I could definitely go with that because the offense definitely went there. But you can – I mean, this hurts, what, Clayton Kershaw? Right? Kershaw got beaten up twice by, by Houston. In consecutive yeah. years. I mean, does that narrative at... go? Does that narrative go away? Now this also leads to the Red Sox, and now Alex Cora, as you said, who's the manager now of the Red Sox. What in, what was in play? You know, where does this come? I feel like a conspiracy theorist. Where does this come into play for? The Red Sox, did, were they, did they do something similar in 18? Because the Dodgers, you know, could the Dodgers have won back-to-back titles in 17 and 18? Could the Yankees have beaten the Astros in 17? You know, these are, these are not unfair questions. No, not and at all. And not that I know too many Houston Astro fans, per se, but there's no real response. Because none of us have a clue. We don't know the we don't know the impact or understand the impact of it. Right, and the thing is too why we bring up Alex Cora. So Alex Cora was the bench coach for the 2017 Astros, which is where this all came to start. Um, Rob Manaford, in his report yesterday, mentions Alex Cora between eight and ten times. I'm not exactly sure on the number. He mentions A.J. Hinch once, and the only reason he mentions A.J. Hinch at all is because A.J. Hinch didn't stop it, not necessarily that he formulated it. Why does he mention Alex Cora? Because Alex Cora is the one that developed this. So now Alex Cora goes to Boston, and now we have a report that, not even a report, but an investigation of cheating in Boston. Well, it, it doesn't require rocket scientists to put this together. That you have Alex Cora as the bench coach in Houston, and they get flagged for cheating. The next year, he moves on to Boston, and they get flagged for cheating. And remember, Boston was the first one to use electronics with the Apple Watch a couple of years back. And that's what started all this of no electronic steal signing. Uh, sorry, sign stealing. Sign stealing. So I think my response to you, Seth, was Alex Cora is dead man walking. I can't That was the first thing being, you said. That was the first thing you said to me. I can't imagine him being in baseball next year. And he may join uh 
my favorite guy, Pete Rose, in the in the in the ineligible list. I mean, like I said, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to add two plus two equals four. Now, my question for you is this: Ludlow and Hinge have one year one year suspensions. Correct. I have no doubt. Hinge, I have no doubt Hinge will be a manager again. Yeah. Well respected, well thought of in the game. He made a couple of let's call it what it is, a couple of half hearted efforts to stop yep. to stop it. But that's why I mean if they were real efforts he wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened. I don't think Lenlo comes back. Nope. Lenlo's done. He Nobody is, likes him. He is <laughs> universally disliked in sports or in major league baseball. Because he was with the Cardinals, and I think I believe, and was yep. very not well liked there either. And you don't hear this too often about executives, but it seems to be the consensus in baseball. Correct. Correct. And just to put this in perspective, Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, saved five million dollars in the salaries of AJ Hinch and Jeff Lucko. So it's not as if he's out a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, just putting right. the finances in perspective. But, yeah, Jeff Lucko is not going to – in my opinion, he's not going to find a job. I thought you were going to go in another direction. The other person that was was prominently named in the, in the report, although he was not suspended because he was a player, well, was Carlos Beltran. Well, that was, that was is, where else I was going to bring up who is the new manager of the New York Mets. I have absolutely no... I can't imagine the Mets pulling the plug on Beltran. I can't. I think it'll be a nuisance for the first month, and then it'll go away. But because all the players were granted immunity, he... Yeah, he's he's got like the scarlet letter on him, but there's no penalty for him. And he certainly was not in Boston last year. So, do you agree with that? Yeah. I do. Oh. I, I do. Okay. Hey, so, on the bright side it'll give it'll give the Mets some headlines for once. Yo yeah, that's the headline we want. Okay. So we have our favorite uh, gambler. He is he is joining us now. <laughs> um, it's it's five oh eight, and um, I'm sure he is joining us to tell me how much crow I need to eat this week. In the fact that I said that Ryan Tannehill was not going to be able to throw play action passes because the Ravens would stop Derrick Henry. Um, well. One half of that was correct. Ryan Tannehill was not able to stop, was not able to throw play action passes because he wasn't able to throw it all. However, he didn't have to. <laughs> the Ravens were not able to stop Derrick Henry. And uh, congratulations on your win. Uh, last week, I last week I called you Cardinal John John J O'Connor because Don Imus used to have when gambling was illegal. And not being not being able to do that, he made up a fictitious voice of Cardinal John J. O'Connor with the lottery numbers on uh, WNBC, and so he brought on John J. O'Connor for the betting. So we bring you on, sir, to relish in your victory. If you call, I'm telling you now, if you lose next week and you don't call back, you're done calling. You can't call with only the wind. <laughs> Gentlemen, can you hear me? Oh, we hear you we fine. We can hear you. Oh, boy. Sean and Seth. Gentlemen, how are you? Pleasure to be on your show um, today. Oh, it's always a pleasure having you, sir, especially when you win. Uh, not exactly well, sure it's a pleasure when you lose. <laughs> well, let, let, let Seth. Glad to, to speak to you. Happy happy you're here. 
Um, yeah. It's mid-January, and Tom Brady is, uh, is no longer on the field, so we're all very, very happy. Let's talk about the man himself, the Crimson Tide, Derrick Henry. This guy is, I called it, an absolute stud. Sean said to me, name two, two players that have rushed over 100 yards. Nick Chubb, week four, Mostert on San Fran, week 12. Well, guess what? Derrick Henry did it two weeks back-to-back, a complete stampede over two of the best defenses in the league when it freaking mattered. Okay? He's the best player in the NFL, hands down. I won't put any other running back. He is second to Barry Sanders, and the guy is absolutely phenomenal. I give you the floor. He's what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Did you just say he's second to Barry Sanders? Did you forget, I don't know, a guy like Jim Brown, who's the best player ever? Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's the, say, he, wait, he's the best player in the NFL? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really? for his position. Dude, Dude we guys, understand guys, you're guys, happy. Guys. We understand you're happy. But whatever you use that money to buy to smoke – you need to stop using it. Because He's that been the best, running, the best football player the last three weeks. No, I'm that. correct. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the postseason. And just to let you know, I thought sure Tannehill. That's true. <laughs> he threw a touchdown pass. The guy threw a touchdown he pass. Pulled a, he pulled a Tebow. Yeah. Yes, yes, and, he did. And, Pat Mahomes scored, and Pat Mahomes scored, what, four touchdowns in 11 minutes. I mean, oh, I'm a, I get I'm it, a monster but... Chiefs fan. That game was outstanding. That game was outstanding. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this with the Titans. I thought that, you know, Tannehill had so many weapons. He had Khalif Raymond. He had Johnny Smith. He had Corey Davis. Even Brown got a reception. I mean, he's spreading that ball all across the field. And when he's not throwing, we got our man, 250 pounds, six foot four, Derrick Henry from Alabama, tossing touchdowns in the end zone. This this okay. team is emerging. They are a Cinderella story. I'm a Chiefs. I'm a diehard Chiefs fan, so I am going to support the Chiefs in this coming week. But I will tell you guys, watch out for the Titans, man. They are one hell of a story. Make your make your two predictions for the two games, and then we're going to say goodbye. And we'll talk about you <laughs> behind your back on the air. And we'll have you on Wait, again actually, next week. No, because, uh, that sounds fair. Uh, there's, that sounds so fair. Much, I, I, there's so much to unpack in your last five minutes <laughs> that I'm just waiting for this to happen. So you got two games. Tell me who's winning, the Titans or the Chiefs. You can pick the spread if you want, but make your selection, sir. All right, the Chiefs are going to win forty to twenty. Okay, well that covers okay at at Arrow. Okay, yeah, that covers all the spreads. The Chiefs are going to steamroll onto the Super Bowl, and uh, I really like the Packers in this matchup. They're not at Lambeau; they're playing in uh, sunny California. But I just don't trust Garoppolo, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is Aaron Rodgers' last moment to 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 make it to the big dance, and I think we're going to see a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. It's going to be outstanding. Okay, that well, will we be will talk to you again. Ne- yeah, we will talk to you again next week. Uh, we're going to hang wait, up wait, with wait, you wait, now. Wait, we're going to unpack wait, wait. with. Wait a second before right. before, before you uh, uh, are yeah. you, what are we talking? What is what? I want to score. Obviously, you have Green Bay covering, so I think they're get, they're getting seven if I remember correctly. You do you? I like so uh, I, I, I like Green Bay. Again. The score is going to be twenty-eight to fourteen, Packers. So you think they dominate the game? I think it's it's two games, complete domination, and uh, we'll tee ourselves up for one hell of a Super Bowl. Okay. I hope you're right, Great. and I Great. think you. I think you are, but we'll go from there. All right. Okay. We'll talk again Thank next you, gentlemen. Week. It's been a pleasure. All right. Okay, so let's unpack this. So, number one, the Titans have all these weapons, and yet Tannehill threw for 120 yards. Okay, so that's number one. So all these weapons no, that I, supposedly are there. No, 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 no. no. 
look, we can unpack this all we want. When you're up 21-6, 28-6, you're not going to be throwing the ball. And they were winning from the outset. So I have no issue. Like, look, I think the, the comment is ludicrous. Don't get me wrong. But, and I should have probably kept Dak on the phone so I could have told him it was ludicrous. But when you're winning by 20 points, you're not going to be throwing the ball. So I don't have an no, issue. No, no, no. I get that. I get, I get that. Uh, you know what I really wanted? I wanted like on on um, around the horn with the little dings, with how many outlandish <laughs> statements Zach to make in five minutes. Okay, Derrick Henry being the best player in the NFL is a ding. That, then comparing yeah. him to Barry Sanders is another ding. It, there are look. You may be riding high, my friend Zach. Congratulations on the wins, but now the wins and losses come as quickly (laughs) as each other. I mean, come on. There are are statements, and then there are statements. And, look, nobody's happier than me, and realistically nobody's happier than me, that Tom Brady is no longer in the playoffs. I am game on for that. But to say that Derrick Henry is the best player in the NFL – He's not even the best player left in the playoffs. And we can unpack that right now because and until and until never, eight weeks ago he wasn't the best player on his team. So yeah, I mean I've that's just never, kind of silly. I've never seen an offense click in twenty minutes, twenty minutes, eleven minutes, like the Kansas City Chiefs did. Ever. Yeah, but I mean, here's the, the thing. last were you what, is that were the you Buff, surprised? Is that the Buffalo Bills? Hold on, is that the Buffalo Bills versus the Houston Oilers? Because I think that's the last time I ever saw an offense just thoroughly dominate. No, it's, hey, it's not the last time you saw an offense really dominate, number one. Number two. Like that? Were you really surprised? Were you really surprised? I mean, think about it. Nobody thought this Houston team was any good. No one did. And the scores that they had were a bit flukish. And Deshaun Watson is a nice player. But that team is going nowhere. And, I mean, look, I had them losing to Buffalo. So, you know, right or wrong. But it was it's not a great team. It is a team. How Bill O'Brien goes for the field goal at that point in the fake punt, it was, it felt like amateur hour. And it's not a team that I look. Look, what Mahomes did is outstanding. And Kansas City, look, I told you in the beginning I thought Kansas City was going to win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, there's been nothing in the playoffs to change. There's nothing in the playoffs to change my mind on that. But, you know, when, Dow, when Buffalo beat Houston in 91 off the 35-3 to comeback, Houston was a legitimate Super Bowl contender. That team very well could have gone to the Super Bowl. Did anyone really think Houston would go to the Super Bowl? No. Or see them as a legit Super Bowl contender? No. No. I agree with you. No, if that's your point, I get it. And it makes perfect sense. No question about it. I mean, I mean, I mean, what Mahomes did was great, but don't get me wrong. He's the best player in the – he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But, you know, I, I – uh, he didn't exactly beat up the 85 Bears defense to do it. Let's just put it that way. No, but I was far more impressed with Travis Kelsey than I was anybody else. When he caught that third touchdown pass, I was like, this is – if you played FanDuel – and you didn't pick Travis Kelsey, there's no way you won this week. None. Kelsey had like 48 points in the fantasy league in like 11 minutes. I mean, oh, he yeah. was in, insane. And, no, Seth, I get what you're saying about the Oilers and Bills, but, and I get what you're saying 
with the Chiefs. But to me, that was there was no defense there. It was like you were playing in practice with nobody on the defense. You were just running plays because they had Kelsey whenever they wanted. They had Damian Williams whenever they wanted. It was like running a scout team out there. And, I mean, you and I have discussed this. I'm really rooting for Andy Reid to win because I think he's going to retire if he does. And then Eric Bieniemy gets that job. I think Bieniemy deserves the job. I do too. But, but wow, that was a turnaround. I have not seen a turnaround like that since eh, probably the Patriots-Falcons in the Super Bowl. Is that fair? Yeah, that's legit. All right. But even the Falcons were putting up some defense. Now, Bill O'Brien's keeping his job, much to your dismay. True? You think he should be gone? Yes. He should have been gone last year. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I, I think the fact that there is no general manager there certainly helps his cause. Okay, so going forward for this week, 49ers and Packers in San Francisco. Let's take the spread San Francisco off the beat table. Them, San Francisco beat them 37-8 to eight the first time. I'll be honest, I don't think this has been the same San Francisco team the last two months. I Look, they look good against – and I thought Minnesota was going to play – I couldn't believe how bad Minnesota was. And Kevin Stefanski is pretty lucky that, that Jim Haslam had made his decision well before uh, <laughs> the game on Saturday. Because Minnesota's offense was inept, to say the least. You know, maybe they're you – know, San Francisco has a wonderful defensive line, and they're great at rushing the passer – but Delvin Cook having 21 yards of offense is just a, is absurd. Um, I haven't liked San Francisco. I don't really like Green Bay. Um, I thought they played well enough to win on Sunday, a little bit easier than it probably should have been. It took the two great passes from Rodgers uh, to Devontae Adams on third and eight, and then to Jimmy Graham, who knew, who, who knew Jimmy Graham still had that in him on third and 12 to to finalize the game. But I, uh, I think I'm going with the heart more than the head. And I'm going to say Green Bay, 26-23. Okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, I will take, uh, I think Green Bay is going to win. I think they'll win by a little bit more than that. I really do like San Francisco's defensive line. I think they've played incredibly well. Certainly against Minnesota, they played incredibly well. Um, And Richard Sherman has once again proven that, you know what? He's one of the top corners in in the NFL. He really is. They threw at him three times. They completed one. They got intercepted one. And the other one, I think it was just knocked down. But the fact is they threw at him three times the entire game. If there is a lockdown corner, it's Richard Sherman. But I think it's Aaron Jones. I think it's the running game. I think Green Bay wins, uh, let's say, 24-17. to 17. Uh, Moving on to the AFC, Steve Spagnola, up until I think it was six weeks ago, was giving up his defense 5.7 yards per rush. Well, that's a recipe for disaster against Derrick Henry. Fortunately for Steve Spagnuolo, over the last six weeks, he has been the top. He has been in the top five in rushing defense. So obviously something has changed. I think the offense is just too explosive. And Seth, you called it last week. Tennessee needs to get up and up early in order to win games, and I just don't see that happening this week against Kansas City. I don't either. It's the same ideas against both. Now the difference was Baltimore was coming off of literally three weeks of three weeks of rest, um, because it was most of the play. Lamar, Mark Andrews, most of them didn't play week sixteen. It showed, 
And the thought was if they went up 14 nothing, 7 nothing, 14 nothing, that suddenly, to quote our team caller, play action comes into play here. And you run the clock and you run the clock and you run the clock. They ended up going up so much it didn't really matter when it was all said and done. Um, I don't think they do that in Kansas City. This is not a rusty Kansas City team. It's a very sharp Kansas City team. I think, as you said, I I think they're playing as for Andy Reid. I think they're the best team in the NFL. I thought they were the best team in the NFL for most of the year. I think they win. Now, we're not going to say 40-20, but somewhere somewhere in the 31-17. I don't think the game is going to be – I think – I think the game will be close for about a half, and then I think Kansas City takes over. Okay, I don't think the game's going to be close at all. I think uh, Tennessee will struggle to get 10 points. I'm going to call it 24 to 10. Um, If you call that a close game, that's a close game comparatively to everything else. But I think that's where you are. It's the same difference difference as I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think Tennessee scores. Like, that's the thing. I don't think they score. I don't think they get more than 10 points. I think they get maybe a late touchdown to get it to 10 points. I think it is over early, and you're just hanging on at the end. And um, I think we could probably turn off the game at the end of the third quarter. Um, Okay, five minutes to go. Seth, uh, if you would. Yeah, um, I have a feeling it'll be similar to yours. You know, a, a shout-out to a buddy of ours, someone neither of us has seen for the last couple of years, um, our friend Yogi, who pretty much decided to kind of leave uh, leave the city and go up and become, you know, go up, go up and live upstate. But a friend of ours for many years who's apparently, we found out uh, yesterday, is fighting some advanced kidney disease or kidney cancer. And, you know, just want to give our respect and love to him and wish them the best, anything that we can do. That's really all I got today. Absolutely. We're here for you, Yogi, anytime you need it. Um, Okay, another shout-out to – look, I don't really agree with the way that the Hall of Fame is doing this, the Football Hall of Fame, with their centennial class. Oh, this was cool. No, no, no. I don't agree with the centennial class. Now that they have – now that they have done it, and they said, okay, we're just going to put in these amount of players. I loved what they did with Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. That was, I didn't see it live. I heard about it and then watched it. And I just couldn't help smile. And I don't, truthfully, I don't believe either one of them. Well, Johnson more than Cower. But I don't truly believe either one of them belongs in the Football Hall of Fame. I don't. I think once you put those two in, you're opening it up to guys like Mike Shanahan, Paul Holmgren. I mean, there's a litany. Cowher won two. Mike Holmgren. Cowher won two AFC championships and a Super Bowl. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of coaches that did that. Jimmy Johnson, yeah, he he basically made the Cowboys. I get that, but he didn't even win a hundred games in the NFL. And this is not like basketball, college and pro. This is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I I don't agree with either one of them being in the Hall of Fame. That being said, it was amazing that David Baker did this on live television. And to get those responses out of those two guys who are known for being stoic, who are known for being just consummate professionals, Cowher's chin was awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So if you're going to do it, do it right. And David Baker and the Hall of Fame, congratulations. That was done as well as any anything I've seen in the NFL this year. Okay. Next week we'll talk NFL some more. 
We'll actually go into the NBA a little bit since we've ignored it for almost three months. And uh, hopefully Alex Cora will no longer be the coach or manager of any other team. Uh, for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio. And uh, Yogi, you're in our thoughts. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.